0: Welcome to the Movie Vault. This is Ben, and this is Zach. And today, we bring to you from the beautiful mountainside and countryland of Japan a movie called Yojimbo, which has been oft referenced on the Movie Vault since the Seven Samurai episode, probably.
1: Did we do that before Fistful of Dollars? Or
0: the Fistful of Dollars episode?
1: Which one was? Which one came before?
0: I honestly do not remember. Hmm. I don't remember which one came first. They were in the same time period. Okay. They were very close to each other. I think Seven Seven Samurai was first. Okay. Well, somebody will check me in the audience and they'll email me at themovieveltpod at gmail.com and they'll correct me if I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, But yeah, Yojimbo is a movie made in 1961 uh, by a guy named Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa is revered as one of uh, the greatest directors um in cinema history and i can say that with confidence i was going to say like in the last 60 years but that'd be kind of dumb because you if you think about it cinema history isn't actually that long Mm -hmm. so it's it's a little bit easier now to be one of the greatest um but kurosawa definitely definitely is up there um based on what his peers think what i've seen of him and uh what uh, critics think i would say so i'm fairly confident in that opinion
1: and we previously previously reviewed uh, 7 samurai which yes. is actually my all-time favorite movie still. Uh, yes. To this yes.
0: Day. Uh, a classic. A classic. And class- that was
1: 1954. So this film came out 7 years after that film.
0: Right. And it is interesting to think of uh Yojimbo, I guess maybe my one of my first takes is it's interesting that Yojimbo is after 7 samurai because 7 samurai is e- extremely ambitious, very long and Uh, has a kind of a huge arching plot where this movie is kind of the simpler um, maybe you would think of it as a sidekick to Seven Samurai. But
1: it came after. Yeah, I haven't thought about that actually. I think he kind of starts out his career with these although nuanced, large dreams and battles and this big vision of what movies should be, right? They should be these big cinematic grand experiences that we... uh, And then the characters should all have, uh, you know... Uh, great story arcs with uh, narratives that have meaning and nuance and you know a lot of his characters follow a nice moral code right his protagonists are usually good Um, and then each of his films are actually um, representing kind of current events in Japan as well so if you mix all that together you know the good characters the grand set pieces the grand narratives and uh, the representation of the current Japan depending on when the movie came out um I, th- I think be- his career shows more focus as he goes along. So I think at first a way to represent a post-World War II Japan is to show a grand-scale battle, right? And then a way, and then as you, he went along in his career, I think he focused more and more on um, some of the characters, to where he can actually represent whole nations just by characters, right? So you get we have this film *Yojimbo*. And this is—we'll get into this a little bit later as well—that Yojimbo, the characters in it, so Sanjiro, the main character, and the two warring clans, kind of represent these um, these archetypes of World War II or previous wars that Japan has been in. And he can do that in a way where characters represent these large, you know, politically minded—I uh, na- guess—nations or um, or groups of people, rather than representing it in. A large-scale combat, mm-hmm. um, so I think the shift of focus is there. I also think that he has div- he has kind of, I think his star power increase. I think Mifune really could carry this film, and I think once he discovered Mifune and then just made a few more films with him, he, he was like Mifune is really the guy we can rest an entire even franchise right because Sandro is the sequel to this film, and uh, upon his shoulders, so. Those are the two reasons why I think it's kind of those are my theories. I haven't I haven't found any reason why it went from like this big ambitious project to a nice character uh, film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, it's interesting that you bring up Mifun uh, because you could say Mifun is like uh, Kurosawa's uh, De Niro or DiCaprio like Martin Scorsese had. But I would say it's even on steroids to that because Mifun, I believe, was in 24 Kurosawa movies. Oh, my gosh. Which is a lot. And most of the major movies that people think of um, when they think of Kurosawa, Mifun is the main, like, title character or, like, the one of the main characters in the movie. Um, yeah, I think of the four Kurosawa movies I've seen, or is it three or four? Let's see. Rashomon, Rashomon, uh, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, and High and Low. I believe Mifune is in all of them as a main character, um, and you can see why. I mean, the the range that this guy has uh, is is very impressive, um, and they just seem like a a cohesive unit. And when I, what I saw with High and Low, and maybe I'll touch on this a bit later, is that Mifune has a like can play uh, both parts of samurai and somebody who is setting more in the modern day, mm-hmm. but uh, not to get uh, too in the weeds yet. Uh, I'm just going to read a simple summary off mm-hmm. Google. Um, and this is just like the, the main film synopsis that comes up when you say uh, summary of Yojimbo, uh, but it gives a, a good uh, place to go from it says a nameless Ronin, which is a samurai with no master played by Toshiro Mifun, enters a small village in feudal Japan where two rival businessmen are struggling for control of the local gambling trade. Uh, Taking the name Shinjiro (laughs) Kubotake, uh, the ronin convinces both silk merchant Tezemon and uh, sake merchant Takuimon uh, to hire him as a personal bodyguard, then artfully sets uh, in motion a full-scale gang war between the, the two ambitious, unscrupulous men.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that. It's funny. So the the phrase uh, Kuobatake, Sanjuro, the 30-year-old mulberry field, when he asks him, he's like, what is your name? He's like, He kind of looks into the distance for like a couple seconds. and <laughs> I think he looks at a mulberry field, and he's like, 30-year-old mulberry field. And I'm guessing 30-year-old is his age because in Sanjuro, he says something similar. He says, a, f- a 30-year-old something. But he says, but I'm actually getting closer to 40 now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Um,
0: so, yeah, it's. I mean, this is a, a classic. Uh, we might say a classic now, but I, I bet uh, we, we might talk about how Kurosawa kind of set this in motion. But this is uh, sort of a, uh, uh, a, a place that it's a desolate townscape uh, that has been kind of ravaged by the fact that there's not one gang, but two gangs. So they're in sort of this uh, micro-civil war in their town. Uh, one, uh, they, the silk and the sake uh, trader uh, is, or is it sake? Saki. Saki. Is sake uh, an alcoholic beverage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the two uh, products, but they're not really focused on that because they're they're trying to uh, gain control over each other, but they're sort of in a, a gridlock. <coughs> so when a Ronin comes into town, he sees this as a as a a way to take, it adva- take advantage of the situation because both sides are going to want him to tip the scale, essentially, because he, uh, being a uh, samurai, is much more skilled uh, than anybody who is uh, on either side. So having him as the bodyguard uh, will help their group take the advantage and ultimately take the town so that they can finally start to really you know, make some money uh, and uh, enjoy the spoils of their power.
1: Mm -hmm. and that works to his advantage right because then he can keep talking to the rival clans, be like i'll do this for this and then they just raise their prices and he gets to a nice enough price where he can actually intervene for his own interest Um, otherwise he kind of acts almost carelessly to make to provoke each side against each other um, so that the the tensions rise and um, things become more real so that he can kind of get more out of the situation so uh, it really is for his own benefit i mean that's an interesting aspect of this character, in fact. Uh, so that Sanjuro character, even the beginning of the film, he throws up this big stick, right? And the stick lands, and he's like, well, where?" it's like kind of deciding where he's going to go. He's careless. His walk is even pretty sloppy. He just doesn't care. It's in the Edo era of Japan, right? The samurai are kind of lessening in the world, right?
0: Right, and the fact that he doesn't have a master, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of when I was watching the movie, but apparently that is a big deal in this era, the fact that uh, samurai are sort of waltzing around the land as, uh, guns for hot guns for hire, if you will. Uh, even though they had, or swords for hire might be a better way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was not the typical, uh, sort of honored samurai guard that, uh, had been in place in Japan. Um, and I don't claim to be a expert on the, the history of samurai, but I do know that, um, what he's doing would not have followed the code of ethics or like the, any of the unwritten rules of being a samurai.
1: No, I think it's called the Bushuri, the uh, the w- the way of the warrior, right? Because I think it's two words combined, uh, the warrior and way or do. But there is like this samurai code that he kind of is foregoing because of this lack of structure of the samurai. And, it, and it, it's shown like the tables are really reversed on him. Usually samurai were revered as like these great warriors who served, a, you know, a noble force and had this kind of almost um, we talked about this one time, but almost like a um, Knights of the Round Table type yeah. of vibe or a, a secret society, the Illuminati. I don't know something a little less uh, creepy, but uh, noble at their core and uh, have follow a strict ethic. And the, ta- if the tables are turned. The, if the roles are reversed. Now he's going up to these people and saying, I will show you what I'm worth. And he's saying that, um, let me prove it to you that I can actually do what I can say, what I, say I can um, and that I'm not just carrying this sword for nothing. So uh, the samurai isn't your traditional samurai in this film and it almost creates, like, instead of a hero, this kind of anti-hero archetype, um, which is an interesting uh, twist on the samurai genre.
0: Yeah, and then some of the other characters are very interesting. There's Ganji, who is the tavern owner, and he sort of acts as... Um as uh the samurai's confidant that he can uh discuss things with he 's like the neutral party uh or one of the neutral parties i 'm trying to think of who who the uh the other guy is there 's sort of a guy who uh who stirs up the pot and and uh
1: you 're talking about the guy who who will be up at two a m to announce a fight
0: yes there's the <laughs> announcer they have an announcer for their fights
1: we were talking that 's like um, such an an interesting job,
0: yeah. It, it's fascinating. Uh, I, I cannot find him on here. I know he's got to be on here somewhere. Uh, but once I find the character, cause he's hilarious in the movie yeah. and that's the other thing about this movie. Um, it definitely has a, a, a much more comedic energy than uh, like seven samurai or Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there's moments that are like att- intentionally like overdone or satirical uh, maybe in ways that is even harder for us as like non-japanese uh citizens to understand sometimes but like there's definitely like a fact that like these are there's hyperbole being used with the characters they have very cartoonish like big reactions to things um the fighting is very swift and it has a certain style and all of it is on purpose like and uh some some people have even called this uh kurosawa's comedy (laughs) <laughs> which I think is, is interesting because, you, like, to the person who is unfamiliar with this work, they might not be able to see it right away. But, yeah, there's definitely moments that are, like, th- this is, like, funny.
1: Yeah, especially between the two leaders of the clans. Yes. Uh, just kind of – because you're contrasting Yojimbo against them, just kind of – And that's Saibi and Unosuki. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Saibi and – Ushitora. Ushitora, yeah.
0: Because there's, uh, there's also uh, – Ushitora.
1: I thought it was Ushitora, and then his brothers Inokichi, right? Or yeah. Is Inokichi. Inokichi. The other there's one that has three brothers. Yeah. So that's Ushitora, and then he has the, his two little brothers.
0: Yeah. Um, Inokichi and uh, Uno Suki, who's the one who ends up having the gun. Mm-hmm. And then there's Saibi, who is the original bo- boss, and he uh, Seibe. operates. Seibe. He operates uh, the brothel, and he also has a wife, Oren, who is uh the brains behind the operation. And then he has a son who's like uh timid. His name is Yo Yu- Yuichiro and uh he he is not as strong as his father wants him to be and he ends up being sort of like a weak point mm-hmm. uh for saibi and, and he's easily kinda of like taken advantage of especially by the other side. Mm-hmm. Um So those are sort of, I mean, there's not a ton of characters in the town. You're like, where, where are the people who live in the town is is often the question. I think there are people, but they're very, um, you get the feeling there. It's definitely bad times, you know, and people, maybe people have moved out to some degree. Um, and, or maybe like it's at this point, it's like, you kind of have to align yourself with one group or the other. So you've sort of by de facto become one of the henchmen Mm -hmm. and then the wives and children are hidden away somewhere and and that's why that little highlights.
1: guy who was running around uh, kind of announcing the fights has such a great position right he's necessary for both sides so he's never really in danger uh, yeah, the yeah. hard part is you got to be up like 24 hours a day <laughs>
0: you know the guy who has it the best though is Atushi Wanatambe, who is the town's coffin maker yeah, that's and he's true. profiting immensely from the carnage
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. the famous line give me three coffins no make that four <laughs> yeah but yeah, so I mean, it really is an interesting town, right? It's not the best conditions in within this town. It's pretty isolated. It's in the middle of uh, uh, Japan where there are not many civilizations. And uh, this wandering samurai comes and is starting to meddle with these two warring clans and kind of takes advantage of them. And we'll eventually see that like this kind of careless person that we thought of at the beginning of the film eventually starts to take um, take some care for some of the people there once he sees the injustice done on some of them. And eventually, by the end of the film, he becomes a selfless hero. He kind of regains his samurai honor. The moral code that he was supposed to stick by kind of um, becomes uh, part of him again. And he does it without payment. He does it without, um, without any compensation. It reminded me, actually, of the film uh, Seven Samurai where the main character goes, um, That you know, there is victory, but it's not for us so and talking about like for the samurai, for the people who protect, they never are the ones who can't, who win. They're never the ones who have the victory. It's always the people that they protect that have the victory and they are the ones that are um sacrificing themselves. So he great he regains that sacrificial part of himself and uh I thought that was an awesome, amazing, yeah. amazing story arc. Um,
0: yeah. It's a great ending and it involves a character named Nui who is the wife of a farmer who had to uh, essentially sort of was coerced into, uh, uh, I believe, settling a gambling debt by giving uh, his wife to Ushitora. So, you know, being compelled by this. um, And this is the only moment where we see um, Mifun's character seem 30 i'll just call him 30 year old mulberry field
1: well Sandro, because i think they Sandro. Yeah. sanduro
0: yeah is is kind of uh at a disadvantage because everything else is kind of tactful this is the only thing that he like does so emotionally and then that so that, like any of his plans uh you know some of his plans get foiled and he eventually um he doesn't get caught but he gets does he has to go into hiding well, he, because he, he gets injured.
1: He does so. He eventually gets caught and he hides, and then they find him again, <laughs> and then he's tortured for a little bit, and then he escapes. He escapes. Okay, yeah. I, I I forgot
0: that part a little bit, but yes, um, that is what happens. He fi- he comes back to the town. That's when the final showdown happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing about this movie is it ends with a a uh, a guy bringing a knife to a gunfight, <laughs> if you will, um, and that is uh, Sanjuro who is faced with the younger brother of Suke. Uh, yeah, Unosuke, who's the, the younger brother, brother of Ish- Ishitora, who I probably pronounce three different ways, but <laughs> you get the idea. And uh, he thinks he's been cocky the whole movie because he has this gun because uh, nobody else has a gun in the town. Um, but unfortunately, he's no match. I mean, fortunately for for the, the townspeople, but unfortunately for him, mm-hmm. uh, he is no match. Yeah. And uh, and uh, there it's there's a little bit of drama, but yeah, he dies, <laughs> uh, and he's unable. He almost gets the gun to try to shoot him, but he can't. He Was that a trick? Strength
1: at the end when he tries, to, he's like, "Just hand me my gun so I can die with it, so I can go to the other yeah, side." With
0: yeah, yeah, I think that's a trick. It's supposed to be, and then he doesn't have. He like dies before he can actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it shows him trying to do it, but like, why would Sanjiro actually give it to him? Did he know there wasn't a bullet?
0: I feel like that's Sanjiro's. Uh, confidence in himself. I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating at this point. It
1: reminded me deeply. Of There's got to be a
0: reason. Cause... The deer hunter. <laughs> yes, that that's true. It did remind me of the of deer Christopher hunter.
1: Christopher Walken's character. Yeah. Now, now that's that. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the contrast. So really, Kurosawa kind of tried to make this distinction between, uh, so Tatsuya Nake, uh, Nakadai's character, Unosuke, the youngest brother with the gun. He comes into the movie about halfway through with his gun. And uh, kurosawa wanted him to be the contrast to senjuro he wanted him to be the guy that's kind of cocky the one that comes in uh without a plan he was full of himself right right his so, plan is that he has this gun and he's better than everyone that's yeah. the extent of the plan but it's crazy so it's it's an awesome amazing contrast that's very complex because both of these characters these are the only two characters in the film with courage right but what is their courage founded upon, right? So Sanjuro is founded upon skill and honor, right? And he, that's why he wields the sword. And then uh, Unosuke is, is uh, upon himself, like, thinking upon, um, you know, his cockiness. And he kind of has, like, this um, uh, failsafe of the gun. And although this is the end of the... This is the Edo period. This is the end of the samurai in Japan. The gun still loses because Unosuke doesn't have the mind of a samurai. He doesn't have the mind of a real fighter. And that's why... Um, that's why the Sandro wins, and I thought that contrast was amazing. And everybody else in the town is pretty much a coward, but none of them have a gun except for Unosuke. So that's, that's what makes him powerful. That's what distinguishes him. That's why people fear him. It's not because if without that, he nobody he wouldn't have his name. You know?
0: So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because any of the battles that you see between the two are they're they're almost silly because they, they usually involve people kind of going back and forth, but mm-hmm. no fighting really happens. Mm-hmm. The only time the action is forced is usually by Sanjuro. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you'll see it, and then you're like, this looks goofy. But it's because everyone wants to – they're kind of bluffing their way. They want to bluff their way to victory. They want to win without giving up anything. Yes. Um, And so that's why they've been at a stalemate for so long because, uh, you know, they don't want to – they don't actually want to put their lives on the line for this, but they want to give the other side the impression – that they do so that they will hopefully give up. Yeah. Sanjiro is the one who has to kind of resolve things. Um, although he initially does it uh, for more selfish reasons, but then later on uh, it becomes less so, or at least it appears that way.
1: And I believe that moment is when he kind of sees those girls being pushed by Sebei's wife into that back room mm-hmm. um, the, against their will. And he, I think when he was spying on her and then he confronts Sebei and his wife about this and, I think that was the turning point to be like, oh, these people are actually pretty a lot worse than I thought. But his beginning, his beginning logic um, to him was consistent. He was saying like, there are a lot of people in this worth that in this town that deserve to die, and there's right. a lot of money that can be made from killing, It's something along those lines. So, but actually, uh, Kurosawa, to go back to uh, the contrast between, uh, uh, yeah, Nakadai's character and Mifune's character, he Kurosawa told Mifune that his character is kind of like a wolf or a dog. So that's why when he walks around, he kind of shakes his shoulders. Yeah, he has that thing. Yeah. yeah. So he's like trying to, you know, rev up like a dog or a wolf. And he told uh, Nakadai's character to kind of be like a snake. So when he pulls out the gun, it's kind of like a, in a slithering fashion. And I was just like, that's an interesting thing because both of those represent, you know, one, you know wolf honor maybe um now wolf wouldn't be used in the same way but maybe in their culture wolf is honor and snake in every culture is a uh, deception
0: yeah and and to add a layer onto that kurosawa is known in his movies for framing them in a way that you can immediately recognize a character based on their movement so when they're in the scene and you're not seeing their face you know who it is just by the way that they walk or the way they have this signifying thing. It's a a characteristic he has in a lot of his movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, it's a small detail that is becomes very important, but it's, but you don't always consciously like see it as a, as a viewer. You have to kind of like step back from the movie and see like, Oh, that's happening a lot. Or maybe it, maybe people realize it, you know, after watching a video or two about the movie or re-watching the movie a couple times, you start to notice things like that. Mm -hmm. But it does actually help you uh, follow the movie and follow the characters in the movie and be more engaged in it because uh, of those types of things. Mm -hmm. Actually, I I watched a great uh, uh, video that uh, used an example of, I think it was from the first Avengers movie, and then contrasted it to Kurosawa movies and it was Uh, Showing how stale the camera work was and how (laughs) uh, Kurosawa has like sort of ever changing camera work in a single scene that like just it just is incredible. And it's stuff that you see happening, but you don't always acknowledge it right away but like again subconsciously just that know video. yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to find that video because that was a great video it showed it showed how the movement of kurosawa is so important to understanding his movies and his style but that kind of takes us into themes and meanings uh or like what we, and we've kind of talked about it some a big theme is the theme of the anti-hero which is actually kind of a revolutionary thing up to this point mm-hmm. um even in kurosawa's movies uh, like seven samurai, there are the heroes and there are the villains. Um, maybe you could say the samurai in that movie had a little were' a little rough around the edges. Um, but they you generally <coughs> gathered around <Be> good. <laughs> yeah, I got this eight week cough uh, for a uh, for a good cause because they were defending these townspeople who had nothing and could do nothing. Um, and that it was again the honor of the samurai you know it, it was it was enough reason for them whereas um in this movie uh we talk about like there's more of a selfish motive at least initially it's a little bit more gray mm-hmm. um but then the character kind of is able to Sanjuro is kind of able to redeem himself but they're still irredeemable villains in the movie yeah. so they're still like an evil but it's sort of like there's an evil and a we're not sure type yeah. person could go either way
1: yeah definitely yeah, I think I mean that's just the that just shows how good his character arc is of kind of coming in with this carelessness and then kind of coming out with the the honor of the samurai. Um but I think a lot of this what I've read at least this isn't something that I noticed necessarily right away because as you said we're not his, you know, Japanese historians, right? Right. Unf- um, yeah, we
0: wish we were. <laughs>
1: yeah, we wish we
0: could automatically just be an expert in any subject of any movie that we review. Hey, if we get Neuralink that's that's true yeah our podcast will be obsolete though would you get Neuralink? we've talked about this before it sounds it's just seems scary have your
1: views changed since last time we talked i don't know probably not okay i think we shared the same view i think i was a little bit more i would do it i think i think we just kind of were like it feels like you'd have to do it yeah they'd force you you have like only Neuralink approved humans can go on airplanes or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. It would
0: be, it's uh, <laughs> never, mind, I'm not going to make that comparison. <laughs> like, like,
1: <laughs> like some kind of a, some got kind of a thing that everyone had to get <laughs> two or three okay. years ago. Gotcha. Anyway. Yeah. I think this film, what, from what I've read, Kurosawa, well, Kurosawa as a fact always makes his films, as I said earlier, represent a few things, you know, always has strong characters, always has a story that is grandiose and with great drama and good acting and good uh, writing and dialogue and that actually has meaning and has good themes and talks about some subject in a meaningful way, which is great, it for a breath of fresh air. But then his the third thing that his films always have is a commentary on um, Japan, whether that's Japan at the time that Kurosawa was living or before that. Um, not in the future, unless he was going to do a Clockwork Orange type of thing. But uh, the interesting thing about this film is you have these two warring clans kind of being gr- uh greedy about money and kurosawa wasn't a fully onboard capitalist right so a lot of this um film was based off of the um growing the rise of capitalism within japan like the free market was kind of open a little bit um before this film was uh, came out and it's post-world war ii and everything so Japan's very different country right especially after uh, hiroshima nagasaki stuff like that um so uh, there are these two uh, clans kind of that are driven by the almost a business standpoint, right? Because they're two businesses. They're they're gambling. They're uh, businesses uh, selling, what is it, Saki, you said, and running Saki a brothel. sake and Silk. And, yeah, right. yeah,
0: it was all business related, yeah. yes.
1: And then even Sanjuro, coming into the middle of this, his motive was money, right? So he's, he made this film with every single character's original motive to be money. And what he did was find a way for the character to go through circumstances that changed his view so that he no longer cared about money, but cared about human life. Right. And that was a lot of what Kurosawa was trying to push across. It wasn't the main point of the film. I don't think, I think there are a lot of cool things that, um, a lot of cooler things that are the main parts of the film. But I think that was a subplot of the film that, uh, Kurosawa even discussed when he talks about this film. He's like, "Yeah, it's about the rise of cap, you know, the free market." I, w- I don't even yeah, I, don't, right. I don't even know if it's full on capitalism. I think it's just the rise of the free, you know, freer market, which would
0: have been a newer concept in general in Japan, I think, yeah. post World War II. Um, and just considering some of the other movies like High and Low definitely certainly deals with those sorts of things with their the main character being a a big shoe executive. Um, and the villain being sort of in a different social class and there being this like social class dynamics mm-hmm. and wealth gap and that sort of thing. But the humanity of the character still being discussed yeah, in spite of those differences. So it's yeah. like, how do we deal with the fact that value is now kind of being defined by money, but we know that human
1: life isn't actually defined by that. Yeah. So it's like, and Kurosawa has a lot of, I mean, before World War II and Kurosawa was alive for that, right? Before World War II, there were these different classes, like, different levels of people. I mean, all throughout the world, there are, right. these, there are these different classes and levels of people. And a lot of some of the greatest filmmakers... I mean, we talked about this in our 99th episode of um, even this, the American system we were talking about. Um, Killer of Sheep, that's right. Like, there, are a lot of ta- there are a lot of times, like, different levels of people within societies. And some of the greatest films are about um, discovering... Um, or kind of even just displaying or putting on, um, a pe- not a pedestal, but I guess just displaying is the right word. And I don't know. I was, to find yeah. I was trying to find a sin in a mid-sentence, but I feel um, this is why Neuralink would help. You can just like, yeah, would you would like filter to out your this words. word? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made me sound so smart. Then everyone would sound smart, and it would, every conversation would be so normal. It would be so hard to sound smart. So because then what you do is you would you lower your never, yeah. intelligence level to normal or whatever. <laughs> IQ. You could then you take, sound cool. It's cooler to... S- to like talks so you, you can literally change smart. your iq like, <laughs> I <know>. like what <laughs> would iq would crazy. you like to be today sir <laughs> i'm feel i, I want to be a lower I'm iq go 50 it's a cheat day <laughs> i just IQ sort of you... want to enjoy things would you like to be albert einstein today yes
0: <laughs> but <laughs> all right it's work day albert einstein <laughs> yeah
1: and then like the the standards would raise so much like yeah uh, your average albert einstein would be paid a. imagine hour.
0: trying to get into med school with Neuralink. oh my gosh
1: well, we wouldn't need doctors by that point. Yeah. Everybody would just stitch their arms <laughs> up themselves. Yeah.
0: It's just like there's just an algorithm that de- determines what treatment plan you have. And <laughs> no, there's there's the just thing. people that execute this it. Is
1: the, this is the truth then. Everybody would be their own doctor, but still no one would have health care. <laughs> I mean, just... Well,
0: I know what I need to do, but I can't pay for it.
1: Yeah, yeah like <laughs> that's true. Money will always be an issue no matter how what system But yeah. Anyway. That's what Kurosawa was talking about in this film. What a great segue! My IQ is 100 today, which is I guess average. so.
0: <laughs> I really don't think my IQ is that high because I tried to take an IQ test once, and it was if just like a bunch. If you try to take of... an IQ test, it's low. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's just a bunch of patterns, that I got frustrated, so I quit. So I don't even know what my IQ is. I think
1: well, quitting an IQ test indicates high IQ. So good. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess maybe it's the opposite of what you. If think. you go online and search for. Um, what is it, Enneagrams? Yeah. Then your IQ is below 50. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you, Astrology.
0: You're but. trying to box people in the nine nine things. Yeah. But it's really I more than racing. nine because it's like you have wings mm-hmm. and stuff. And I've never been able to really understand what Enneagram I am because you are you take this whole quiz and then you're supposed to choose mm. which one fits the most with you. But you got three options. I'm like, that's like three of the nine, right? So yeah. You, so why didn't you just...
1: Ask pull numbers person. out of a
0: hat or like something like that that's your enneagram and then you were like oh maybe i am kind of like that like
1: and this is the uh, last what do you, think, is, do you
0: think do you think Myers is oh. is any better with the 16 point system
1: that's isn't that the infj stuff yeah that's what i did yeah yeah so i'm infj i'm right? enfp what is that oh, yeah. extrovert
0: extrovert intuitive neurotic yeah <laughs> no, I'm just joking. uh feeling perceiving i think oh.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm judging. You're ju- yeah, you are. <laughs>
0: My brother's like INTJ. It's like less than one percent of the population. Yeah, mine's actually the rarest. My, mine's pretty, um, pretty common. I would have to say. Yeah, you're basic. It's pretty common.
1: You're a basic Starbucks.
0: Girl. Yeah, I am. Every Starbucks girl. But the you, thing the that AF, it, that I will say gives it some validity is that, yeah, when you read the thing, you're like, oh yeah, I am kind of. But I don't know. That's just you start to like m- put your
1: personality in a box and you're like this is oh I am like this. Anyway, I just feel like we don't understand. Human beings have way more in common than we think so if you're like oh yeah that's me like most people are probably saying that.
0: The, or at some point there was a situation that they applied to
1: that that they were like yeah, yeah. I thought, we're or, just all so disconnected we forget how similar we are. Yeah. Because we see like the guy who's on TikTok and goes and asks rich people how they got their money and like they don't realize he probably has cold feet when he sleeps at night too
0: yeah and like emotions and feelings are like so malleable and like ever-changing like so i guess at one phase of your life you could feel all these different emo- it's it's just very hard to like I
1: think, but everybody think has it's a different that. world view then when you find a similarity the world feels a little bit smaller and then you're kind of like is this weird feeling that like other people have lives what is that called
0: Spotlight syndrome. No wait, that's not the spot. reverse one. The reverse one. Yeah. Uh, the anti
1: spotlight syndrome. <laughs> that's what we'll call it.
0: Yeah, anti spotlight syndrome. Yeah. Uh we should we should uh trademark that, that because we're in a capitalist system and then anybody uses that term, yeah. you need to sue.
1: Yeah. And I'm not making I'm, I'm not literally, I'm not making any commentary. Even you know this. I'm not making any commentary on any system at all. I'm just saying he's highlighting um how greed can be a factor in capitalism. And that's true. So yeah, we we see that every single day. Well, and I would
0: say greed can be a factor in capitalism, but greed also is a factor in any system because humans are greedy.
1: I mean, totalitarianism, greed, total.
0: Any sort of thing that you can come up with that's a system, ones that haven't even been invented yet, greed is going to be involved somehow.
1: What would be a great – what kind of system do you think Kurosawa's – Going to go i that. actually
0: don't know like i'm not really sure what kurosawa wanted because after high and low i was a little confused <laughs> i actually don't know whether kurosawa is really that concerned about the system
1: no i don't think he was i think no, i think the free market helped yeah i think ways. kurosawa
0: it is smart enough to know that that whatever system there is that humanity is going to face similar problems um and so if you're in one changing, it's not necessarily going to help things. But but like also, you know, you can easily point out problems because they're usually just problems in general human behavior yeah. that will be expressed no matter what system you have. Yeah. So like greed or social class. Social class and greed were things before capitalism. And in fact, they were maybe even more obvious in um, – you know totalitarian societies like most societies were totalitarian before yeah uh you know the rise of
1: in capitalism and the, the free totalitarian market or even socialist societies implement those caste systems that play out after the the system's demise yeah
0: and and the thing is even even the people who uh didn't have a lot were still greedy like it's just they didn't have the the financial ability to display the greed that the other people that are right like like just because you're poor doesn't mean you're not greedy ever yeah it's like you just don't have the ability to display that it's like when you're angry but you don't have twitter to express it to the world right yeah and that's not that's not to say that poverty isn't a problem or isn't something that uh like we should uh you know try to help people out of and that sort of thing but it doesn't change you know your human behavior response and it's a sin problem Uh, yeah exactly
1: that's what me and my friend from church always say but uh, no, you're it's, it always is. It's a human. It's a human being problem, and I think actually, I think you're right. Because between that and Seven Samurai, although he's comment, he's, he's he has a commentary on you know the Japanese society at the time and the problems with it. His characters display like really noble uh, personalities, um, even if they don't start out that way. So Kurosawa understands like Sanjuro going from this greedy guy and kind of changing into this uh, noble hero by the end. He's kind of rediscovering this within himself, um, so I, I think Kurosawa values a lot of the same things that we might we might value.
0: Yeah. So, do you think that that is the overall like main meaning and takeaway from I this don't. movie?
1: I don't think so. I don't think it's Sandro's story arc. I feel like I don't know. You know, epics aren't
0: like there. It's there's not one story arc that trumps yeah. all the other ones.
1: I don't think so. Or if there is, I'm stupid, too stupid to understand. I don't think epics have a main theme. Like if you think of the greatest stories of all time. Like many it's, of,
0: it's more like a hero's journey type thing. Like it's a yeah. there's a beginning and an ending and it's the themes along the way are like good but they're not like the main point. Yeah, and I don't because the main point is for there to be a good story that's compelling.
1: Yeah, and I think even from a moralist perspective. Kurosawa is a lot of times blamed by some cultures to have given the opportunity of the rise of the anti-hero which now is you know detrimental to society and kids who look up to deadpool you know stuff like that but i don't think that he really is to blame i think he paved the ways in some ways you know yeah
0: but is the person who paved the way or like just because you tried to invent an intriguing character who who was he was an anti-hero but he also changed like he also made decisions to better himself in some ways throughout a movie like So that is a like positive growth development. Those are things that you should be desiring to see in people Mm -hmm. like growing, not making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, And so I don't know how they can really fault him because some people are like, well, let's make a story about somebody who uh, does the opposite of that and actually starts out at a place that is good, appears to be good and then goes down a road that is bad. So like, I don't like, I don't know. I guess people could blame him, but I don't, I don't I think it's fair. I just don't think these fair. guys
1: are anti. I would really disagree. Yeah,
0: I don't think Yojimbo is an, uh, I also or, don't. I don't. Think is an anti-hero.
1: No. Yeah, and I don't think some of the movies that have been influenced by this are anti-heroes either.
0: What movies are you referencing?
1: Uh, well, obviously, A Fistful of Dollars was the movie that was basically a remake of this film. Yes, we, we have reviewed that film, so.
0: and we'll we'll, it, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the the modern anti-heroes that I'm thinking of probably are way more loosely related to and that's like I guess you could go to Scorsese and Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. That's a big one. And then lately we've had Breaking Bad with Walter White and then I recently finished Better Call Saul, so you have Saul Goodman, another like anti-hero figure. Oh yeah. And then, you know, Joker really blew up the conversation in the mainstream because he got nominated for an Oscar so that and that movie was pretty based on Taxi Driver so then you have to wonder whether it's just nobody watched Taxi Driver and then all of a sudden it becomes more mainstream it's like a mainstream version of Taxi Driver because has the Joker who's a comic book character in it yeah Um, but yeah uh, you know I really the similarities between you know Yojimbo and Joker are like fairly loose like mm. they're not really that similar mm. same with like Breaking Bad so Yeah, you can see the inklings of, like, the anti-hero archetype, but it's not quite where people think it is right now. I
1: just think before Sendro, people were used to the main character being noble at every instance, right? Without flaws. A lot of the old westerns. You
0: went to watch a movie to see somebody who was almost a god-like figure, yeah. like I, I hesitate to say that, but but it's because that's the way the movies presented it. Because you you couldn't see any mistakes that were make it, made off screen. Sure, because you only saw what's on screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that was that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, just showing the flaws and kind of this change, and that's why Curacao was such a great director because he understands humans, he understands people's tendencies, he understands the motives of uh, of the heart. And uh, speaking of the heart, where is our our heart is with um, people in any tragedy at the moment.
0: Mm hmm. Including and- people who have been in car accidents. Oh, what who, else? Who have been in house fires.
1: What, oh, what else? Or
0: have had their business had something bad. I don't know what happens to businesses, actually. But, or like their business, you know, defaulted. I don't know. The businesses, businesses do that. <laughs> <laughs> the business exploded. I guess that could happen. But fortunately, before any of that happens to Wait, you, for this? there is hope. There's
1: hope if my business.
0: Yes, yeah. if you are preemptive, do you okay. want to think ahead? So, think of the possibilities of things that could happen. Oh, okay. And then you want to call Hedman and Agency about oh. it, because they can provide insurance on these things. That way, yeah. if something happens, you get money back.
1: Seriously? They'll yes. give me money? Yes. For free?
0: No. Well, not exactly. I
1: mean, for free if I give them a it's monthly rate.
0: Protection? Yes.
1: Oh, that's basically free. But like not free. If you
0: just forget about that money, then yes, it's free. But not
1: legally free, but like free in my head with an asterisk.
0: Right. If you're using the sort of convoluted math that you're using. Is
1: that the one that has the phone number 614-486-7300? How did you know? I think I saw that on a commercial.
0: Yes. Maybe you saw it on the Movie Vault. Speaking Um, of which, you should listen to the Movie Vault, which you can find everywhere on podcast. Oh, wait, you are listening to it.
1: Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Fallon the other night. Was talking about us, and he goes, "The Movie Vault <laughs> is the best podcast that I've ever listened to in my entire." He he makes his kids listen to us before they go to bed, when when they when they're in their bath time, and he puts the bubbles in the bath, and he says, "Listen, guys, tonight, tonight we're gonna listen to Henry <laughs> Fool, Henry <laughs> <laughs> Fool try the Movie Vault, <laughs> the director of Killer Sofa, <laughs> Bernie Rao." And the kids are like, yay, Dad, you're the best." This is and, my favorite episode. And get, this, is the be, this is the best part. He said this on, um, He said this on show last night. He said, "This repaired my relationship with my wife, because before we go to bed, we is my mic oh, I'm sorry. before we go to bed, we listen to an episode, and then we cuddle afterwards. And wow, it has repaired our relationship. We were having struggles. This is Jimmy Fallon. These are his mm-hmm. words. I'm just reading it off of the, the live broadcast. But he sent us. I yeah. mean, yeah, he was very grateful. And he said, My wife was so happy. Now our marriage is better. Our relationship with our kids is better. I can get along with her in laws because they really liked the uh, uh, the B movie episode. And it's just been great. So, yeah, thanks for that, um, Jimmy. Um, so, anyway, that's 614-486-7300. 614-486-7300. And if you do, uh, tell them Ben and Zach sent you. We'll have to find a different prize because someone else already called them.
0: Yes. Yes, we already had our first person, but we we definitely need a prize for our second person because we need to incentivize this.
1: Yeah. So. Anyway, and that first person doesn't count if they call them again because they'll probably need to technically call them again. Right. Yeah.
0: There might be other things they need to call them about. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm so glad that my, I'm so glad that if my business explodes, that I'll have someone there for me.
0: Yeah. That is, that, I mean, think about if the vault explodes, what would we do? The vault will never explode. It's indestructible. <laughs> that, that,
1: that's a good point. That's kind of silly of me to say. We, we have no insurance on our vault. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we're so confident in but it. But we also love Headman, like, we love their service. Like, we have insurance on our vault, even though it's indestructible, and will never be penetrated ever, because we love the service. Headman that's true. We pay the service. monthly rate just so we can hear Mr. Englund's voice Yeah. on the phone, and when he says... I'm here for you, right? And it brings a tear to our eye. It does as every we talk time. About as we talk about um, mystery train, yeah. Or uh, in
0: in the future, uh, Sherlock Junior or something like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> All right. So so uh, one of the things that is inevitable when uh, talking about Yojimbo and as sort of the uh, elephant in the room for the American audience, is that... And which the, is Italian, fun, and the audience. Italian audience. the
1: Italian audience, is that... And in fact, many Italians are in America. We must say that.
0: That's actually true, especially in New York and New Jersey.
1: And we'd say some Americans are in Italian, but we're not going to count you. You're not many.
0: Yeah. There's not as many as Italians that are in America, or Italian really. people who have descended from Italians. Anyway, um, Yojimbo is... Or Fistful of Dollars, a movie that we have reviewed and was directed by... Maybe, this is a, that was probably the episode. Yeah, that was the episode that we first mentioned Yojimbo, in, I'm sure. Um, and it, because it is a a direct copy of Yojimbo, um, Fistful of Dollars is. And when I say that, I mean it is almost as close of a copy as you can make without making an actual samurai movie. Yeah. And making it a western. I mean, it is very close.
1: It's like ASAP Rocky <laughs> and Travis Scott close.
0: Yes. Um, and that's that's close. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to think of many things closer than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fistful of Dollars was made, uh, I believe, four years after uh, in 1965. And it was made at, at, with storyboarded, created, written uh, as a direct copy of 64, Sorry. So three years later um, of, of Yojimbo. And it was done without permission of Akira Kurosawa um, by Sergio Leone. And uh, instead, and did have feature a man with no name who was in a western town. I mean, if you want to hear about it, just go listen to our, our podcast episode on uh, A Fistful of Dollars. And we can go, we go into great detail about it before we even knew anything about Yojimbo. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of stuff that they, they copied was almost incredible to me. Even that, that line about the coffins that you mentioned was directly used. Um, the end scene. Uh, although one is with swords and a gun, and the other one is just with guns, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> very similar. Um, I actually—that <clears throat> was the only improvement I think Fistful of Dollars had—was the the end uh, draw scene. Yeah, I thought that. I mean, that was that defined Ital- um, spaghetti western. For it's
0: me. very difficult to recreate that type of feeling with a sword. It sure. just is because they're way different weapons. They brought guns to a gunfight. Yes, and they they did the old Mexican standoff, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um and so naturally, Akira uh, Kurosawa did sue Sergio Leone, <laughs> uh, and I believe he said something to the effect of "It's a very good movie, but I made I made it or I created it, so they must pay." Yeah, he so <laughs> yeah he did. He got like fifteen percent of the box office or something like that. I think. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I'm kind of I kind of wonder what they were thinking. When they did that, like, were they thinking that it wasn't going to be as successful as it was and that they could kind of just get away with it? Because if it wasn't very successful, Kurosawa may not have known about it, right? Because this was the first one in the Dollars Trilogy and was one of the earliest movies that Sergio Leone directed. So it's not even like he was a, a big deal. You're right. This kind of
1: put Eastwood on the map. Yeah, um, put
0: Eastwood on the map.
1: I Yeah, I think he was like, let's just do it. I think – I I can't imagine Sergio – I mean, Sergio Do you think Leoni he even
0: could have gotten in contact with Kurosawa to <clears throat> ask him? It probably would have been
1: – I think he, he could have. Yeah. I think it would have been hard. I think he could have. But then
0: he would have known that he – I mean, I guess it's – you want to take a chance and maybe you can get away with it.
1: Or I think he's – I think he was thinking to... ask for – what is it? Ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Right. I, I think Sergio Leone, from what I know about him, he's pretty carefree. He's pretty much Sandro. He uh, was just like, let's just do it. I don't care. Yeah, I'll, whatever happens, happens. He's I'll a David that Lynch type later. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, do you think there wasn't because of how well Fistful of Dollar turns out? Turned out, I feel like there's not much discussion about this. But do you think like is it cheap or in any way diminishing to Leone that he did copy the story directly, or is it like cool that he adapted it to the western? Because it is interesting because the videos we watched pointed out that that um, Kurosawa was very influenced by, like, John Ford and, mm-hmm. like, the Western style, um, like, movies like Stagecoach and the Searchers mm-hmm. um, and other John Ford and John Wayne and those types of movies, the classic American Westerns, I guess, that had more of the, like, good guys and bad guys um, type thing. Uh, and and so Kurosawa, you know, Yojimbo was influenced by... Uh, these Westerns and you could see it in like the way that the town is laid out and sort of the sparseness of it um, and some of the movements and even like the probably the scenes at the end with the showdowns were probably influenced by Westerns. Yeah. But then so, so it's sort of a makes sense that a Western would be influenced by some, by a samurai movie that was featured by Western. So it was like they all feed into each other in a round and round yeah. type of way. Um, but I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think it cheapens it or no?
1: I, I, I don't know. I think... Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Nobody has any original ideas. Yeah, yeah, but this is different than not having an original... This is like a direct like copy and paste.
0: I wouldn't say it's, that. No. It, it, like, very, I guess you're right. It's not exactly. But, I'd say... I'd But say, like, think of all the characters. There's like almost every character you can think of an exact character. Even the brother... The brother, there's a brother in the other movie. There's three brothers, three brothers. There's the character of the wife who's been taken away from her husband um, and the child. I mean, there's everything. I mean, you can
1: point to actual differences, yes, but I would say it's incredibly similar. I didn't feel the same way watching uh, physical. Well, no, you wouldn't feel the same way. Because I think the style is very different. I think stylistically you have that's two the only very different, that's different
0: films. It's the, the the plot and the structure is similar, but you're right. The style is different.
1: I feel differently by Mifune and Eastwood. Well, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. You're um, right. I think... Well, they, they did is, have... Is there a world where they can both exist, Ben?
0: No, I'm not saying that there's not. There oh. definitely is. Uh, I think the the right answer is probably that they both definitely have value. Um, but Eastwood's Eastwood's uh, performance is definitely uh, that's one of the things that you could point out that Leo needed differently. It's a much more, uh, I think one of the videos I said I watched said it's more like a statue-like introspective performance where he he doesn't he lets his actions speak, mm-hmm. whereas um, you get more of the movement and the like physical fighting um, and perhaps a bit more wittiness from Mifune's
1: performance. Yeah, but. I wouldn't say it cheapens Leone's uh, films, because he also followed them up with pretty t- two big bangers. Well, no,
0: I'm I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm not
1: argu- I'm not saying the you, other two are,
0: are have anything to do with. I'm just
1: trying to defend those listening that would say it cheapens it, and that it's just a remake, and that Leone shouldn't have done it, or that it cheapens it at all. I think, yeah, if anything, it increases how genuine and awesome Yojimbo is compared to the just. Cinema, just because if it influenced a movie that I love so dearly, such as a fistful of dollars, then it's and it in, then it influenced so many other things, right? Because out of a fistful of dollars came the spaghetti western uh, genre, plus some uh, Star Wars and other films like that. I mean, you just have a plethora. I mean, a whole. I don't know. It's like the greatest common ancestor of so many different films, and it. it I think if anything, it just makes. Yojimbo more important. Um, I also think the soundtracks are pretty different. So
0: yes, the soundtrack,
1: yeah, they're very very different. And I listened yeah. to the Yojimbo soundtrack like four times this week. Really? And it was awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. But it's I still,
1: th- I still think th- Good, the Bad, and the Ugly soundtrack is absolute best. Well, yeah, trio, I mean that is
0: just an absolute legendary. The
1: trio brings tears to the eyes. So yeah, it's an awesome. Line. I mean,
0: uh, Mor Morietti is it Morietti or Morione? Uh, and,
1: and, 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 and Ennio Morricone.
0: Morricone. Morricone, yeah, he's one of the best. He's and one of the best.
1: When when my when little Timmy is born, when your first child is born, you like, better play the trio. I better play. Yeah. We're just
0: going to be playing uh the good the bad and the ugly yeah, soundtrack. Like, yeah. <laughs> for him to go to sleep.
1: Yeah, I think just the whistle I can whistle so it helps like that like do 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 do. You know like you, yeah, can do yeah, yeah. During- you can't do bum bum, you know, during the uh, yeah, soundtrack. Yeah.
0: the Morricone is uh yeah, he the way he uses, like, the whip cracks and the wh- yells and the different things, <laughs> is it's impressive. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Yojimbo soundtrack is also pretty unique. I, think I don't Leonie know how to describe it. It has, like, a enough. lot of kind of percussive elements to it.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of, like, a rag and bone, like, a, um, Woodland Society, I don't know, people in the woods just hitting drums. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that was kind of what it was like. Rather
1: than anything anything sophisticated at all, I think Leone did enough different, way more than enough different. Even though it is a copy and paste, but it's a copy and paste with style. It's a you're different like font. if you're
0: gonna do. Here's what I would say the modern director should take because what are we doing with reviewing these older movies other than say, what did these guys get so right? Now that we've had the the time that these movies have lasted, we know they've withstood the test of time. You know, decades of people reviewing them have added up, and we're at the point where we can look back on them, look back how they influenced things, and so forth. Like, what did these people do right? Uh, on, I, I, almost, I did so many, so much prefacing, I almost, and forgetting what the point of what I was trying <laughs> to say was.
1: It's like when the intro but, credits are so long, you forget. But what But yeah, okay. You're
0: watching. So what what are people doing? I, I was looking. We're doing our anticipated movies lists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're. I was looking at all the movies that are coming out next year. What are coming out? Sequels, remakes, yada, yada. So we can't really get mad at uh, Leone for remaking, quote unquote, this movie because he didn't exactly remake. He didn't make. He didn't call it Bodyguard and make it a samurai movie with Italian actors. And then that was the movie. You know? Mm-hmm. He had. He had a he did his own thing he changed the style he mm-hmm. put it in a different area and that's exactly why it gives you a different feeling um than uh, than yeah yojimbo which is what I think maybe we're missing with all of these remakes is like we're just doing the exact same thing yeah so uh that I would argue is more cheapening yeah than uh than
1: this would be I agree um, yeah Yo- yojimbo is just I can't even express just how great it is I mean Akira Kurosawa is, is kind of joining the ranks of some of my all time favorite directors up there with Kubrick and um, uh, others
0: yeah I've only seen four of his movies but all of them I would consider to be like stone cold classics I know I've
1: started with some of the ones that are <coughs> already the stone cold classic ones yeah Yeah,
0: but <coughs> yeah Ben you're dying right, I'm running out of my voice but I'm excited to, uh, this is how excited explore you are to talk more about Yojimbo. I'm very excited.
1: That this this makes me excited.
0: Ill. Yeah, I'm 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 ill. Uh, and I kind of listened the show notes. Kira Kurosawa's work and in influence. But I think I think we kind of covered oh, yeah. uh, that within this. Um, and just just to generally summarize that, I mean, I, I think anybody who wants to be a student of film needs to watch. And and it was even getting me excited watching these videos about Kurosawa and what he did because it was it was making me realize like if I can <laughs> study this guy and follow what he did, it's going to make me like
1: <coughs> your excitement has caused me to fall ill. Yeah. Oh, it's going
0: to make me a student of film. And we got water running and stuff, but you know, we're, we're a transient studio. So <laughs> we work with what we got.
1: Yep. Episode one hundred and one. <laughs> yep. we, we thought we'd be, we'd be millionaires by now, but you know, uh, maybe, maybe millionaires in love of our fans. Um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, any, uh, closing thoughts you have about your Jimbo? um, I don't know. I'd love to do another Kurosawa this year, but we might have a full slate. We'll have to we'll have to see if we got room. Uh, but if we do another one, I'd love to do either High and Low or uh, Rashomon. I know yeah. you've seen both of those, but those would be standouts standouts to me. They would both be excellent. But uh, closing thing, Kurosawa. Thank you, thank you. I'm hitting the table. You know Dwight from uh, his speech in the office. Thank you when he talk he talks like Hitler on accident. Because uh, Jim gives him a little slip that has like a Hitler speech, and he uses it, and people cheer. Thank you, Karasawa. Thank you for *The Seven Samurai*, my all-time favorite film, and uh, for this uh, beauty of *Yojimbo*, and for its influences and *Sanjuro*, which I'm going to watch uh, pretty soon. Maybe we could do *Sanjuro*. But uh, that's the sequel to this one, right? Yep. It's all, it's as highly acclaimed as this one. Considered one of the best sequels ever made. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Besides the upcoming *Inside Out* two. Right. <laughs> right but um, thank you for providing a film that is escapist, but not for the reason of escaping purely for devoiding my mind of any meeting like most movies are right now, but escapism into the thoughts and meanings of a commentary upon a society. I have never, ever been a part of, nor have I ever visited, nor may I ever probably ever visit. I used the word ever a lot in there, but, and not only that, But also creating these great heroes with good morals. Those are my favorite types of movies. I love films that have crazy people in them, right? I just watched a lot of crazy films with people who do horrible, disgusting things. And I love those movies, too, because they have a place. But my favorite films are the ones, like Captain America, that have morals that, um, yeah, just stand throughout the film. Uh, They don't have to be perfect, of course. Um, They don't have to be godlike, as Ben would say. Uh Thank you, Kurosawa. That is my ode to you, and I shall sing for you now. No, I'm just joking.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think there's much else I can I can say uh, other than definitely check out Yujimbo, especially if you like a fistful of dollars. You'll definitely find it worth it. You'll be finding yourself pointing your finger at the screen. Um, it's an exciting, like uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio in <laughs> and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, you you, you will uh, you will do that multiple times. Um, you'll enjoy yourself. You'll you'll get maybe one of Kurosawa's funniest movies. Um, Mifun's uh, incredible performances, uh, laugh-out-loud moments, heartbreaking moments, moments of triumph. Really, it's the full package is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurosawa is one of the greatest because he consistently brings the full package to his films. Um, he is thoughtful, and we really couldn't speak... Uh, more highly of someone um he's quickly rising as one of my my favorite directors Mm -hmm. um and i just feel sad for people who don't give foreign movies a chance in america because it's so sad because i'm realizing as i'm just i would say i'm even just dipping my toe into the water Mm -hmm. and your toe feels great and it feels fantastic it's warm (laughs) <laughs> it's it's uh it, it, it makes me want to dip my entire foot into the water yeah um, and then
1: and, and then just immerse our bodies
0: yeah and then just go all the way down and just watch some random uh movie that's gotten two views from uh czechoslovakia or something no i'm just kidding but kind of maybe uh but yeah it it, it shows you that uh you don't have to have a america centric view of the world hollywood isn't everything and that this guy who was uh, you know i don't know anything about the film industry in japan i have no idea how he got funding or anything but uh, he got a claim and i watched an interview or a part of an interview with him one of his few that he did in the us and he 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 commanded the respect of those in hollywood and people asking me like do you do you know how much a claim and he kind of would just smile and say well i heard something about that i might be well known um but yeah i'm sure your favorite director has been uh influenced by kurosawa so um and you'll see him reference in random things like uh i think you should leave mm-hmm. and i'd be like to my friends oh the kurosawa reference they'll yeah. be like i have no idea what you're talking about I mean, just
1: some even the, some of the movies we've reviewed too besides the dollars trilogy yeah I mean, even in kill bill i remember there was a part where it's like oh go cry to your mommy or something like that because he's there, it's, there's a scene in this where he says, go back to your mom and enjoy living your long life eating gruel.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. But, and then there's also a scene in Star Wars where they cut off the arm and it falls in the same like angle that the, that the, he cuts off someone's arm in this film. It's just a weird connection, but it's the same shot. It's yeah. a copy of the shot. So. And anyway. now
0: as the water stops running above us, for some reason that's the reason – that's when our odes to saw what That ended. was
1: our rage. That was the manifestation of our – motion
0: there's sort of something thematic and funny about the fact that there was water running the whole time maybe that's what curacao would have wanted mm-hmm. um but anyway we're introducing a little uh new section we don't do sections as much anymore but this is something i thought would be cool and uh as we're regressing
1: as, from postmodern to modern
0: yeah and it's uh to do a few highlights of movies outside of um the movie that we reviewed to show you that um we don't just watch one movie and then claim to be expert we try to be uh well-rounded and watch other stuff so uh uh i'll mention a few things about the ones i watch and i'll let zach mention a few things about him um so you can follow me at titanium vulture on letterboxd i can't promise you that all of my um uh reviews are going to be all that interesting on letterboxd sometimes they're just like two words but sometimes i'll get a burst of inspiration and you'll get some sort of unedited uh stream of conscious review that comes out that maybe won't make sense in like three days but at <laughs> the moment it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I feel like this, um, year has been a fantastic start to watching movies and I've maybe watched, uh, three, three of the most, uh, movies that will like have a very big impact on me, uh, for the rest of, of my life as I continue watching and movies and considering and review it and reviewing them. Uh, and that would be, I watched Andre Tarkovsky's Stalker, um, and, uh, uh, oh, who directs? La- and then Lahaine, which is I believe Matthew, uh, some French guy McConaughey. No, not Matthew. Matthew McConaughey. No, it's a uh, Matthew Kasovitz, um who does Lahaine. It uh, stars Vincent Cassell, uh, who you may know for Black Swan, and then Curaçao was High and Low. Uh, so briefly, I mean, I could talk so long about these, but I'm going to have to cut myself. Please. Soccer is a movie, that, it's a sci-fi movie, but it's really an, an introspective philosophical movie uh, that deals with uh, themes of faith and belief and lack of belief. Um, and um, the changing times, um, sort of modern thought versus uh, um, religious thought. And These themes come out so slowly over the movie you don't always understand what's happening. The takes are super long and it can be a bit daunting for even uh, me um, and anybody who's used to watching short five second videos all the time. It can be very difficult so it might take you a few settings. but it's definitely worth watching. Um, would love to watch it again and just kind of immerse myself so I can understand the themes a bit better but it's an incredible movie. Um, Lahaine Uh, Set during uh, French police riots in the uh, slums of Paris. Um, Stylistically, one of the most impressive movies I've ever seen. Um, I ended up giving it five stars. Blew me away. Um, And despite its... uh, I I don't know anything about sort of uh, the, the background of the history of France or what caused this movie to be inspired... But you can tell, again, it's sort of Curesaw was, you know, it deals with themes of police violence and um, social class, but in a way that's not uh, preachy and instead gives you the lens of somebody who's living it, uh, which I think is a much more helpful way uh, to learn things and to grow from things than uh, how uh, some films present them in like more of a preachy way. So I really appreciate Lehane for that. But, again, the style is really why I like it. Shot in black and white, um, just some moments that are very, very visceral, loved it. High and low, talked about it a little bit already. Noir film, Kurosawa, very engaging, a very complete film, very different from the one we just reviewed.
1: Um, and that's all I have to say about it. So, yeah. Very different from the one we just reviewed. <laughs> well
0: account. in some ways but also similar in other yeah, ways
1: you're right um i've watched like what nine films this month already which is yeah good. i know you're it's at great. a really good rate i'm on a roll but most of them are kind of dumb because i was i had some friends over and we watched so i'll just i'll just list a couple of them and i'll talk about some so i watched flubber <laughs> with robin williams um and that led me to watch dead poet society because i also love robin williams that's, great and that. that's a great film a little cheesy at the end when they all stand on the desk but whatever uh the the suicide was sad uh Migration. That's, that's the only new film I've watched, and that might be one of the only new ones I watched this year, even though we're going to talk about our most anticipated later <laughs> Anticipated on. movies that we're not going to watch. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, we'll watch when they come out of theaters. Yeah. Maybe. Eventually, at some Maybe. point Maybe. in my yeah. life. Yeah, my life. <laughs> when they become in the Criterion Collection as old films. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Migration was actually very family-friendly, not super political, amazingly animated. So, cool. Dan in Real Life, that's Steve Carell, hilarious. Kelsey Brothers um, documentary, funny, cool. He made the wrong choice at the end. He should have stayed with his family instead of going into another losing season. Um, No Country for Old Men, I gave it half a star more than I gave it in our early episode. Uh, Still had a few problems with it. Master of Disguise, not even going to say anything about that. A Trip to the Moon, 1902. One of the first films ever made, amazing. Uh, Every single frame was hand-drawn. Um, sorry, hand-painted. These were pictures that were put together and then each of them were painted in color. So the color schemes are off in every single frame so it looks like a moving picture. And that's what the m- films are, moving pictures. Um, it's also crazy and f- hilarious to think that one of the first films ever made is so artsy that the moon has a face um, and the stars have faces. And there are aliens that on the moon that are being beaten by these wizard astrom- astronomers uh, with the magic umbrella. Um, and A Clockwork Orange, I watched that. Um, pretty classically insane film. Um, yeah. I I mean, after you watch A Clockwork Orange, you just got to sit down and stare at a wall with a glass of tea. Mm. Or, uh, I
0: tried to read the book once. It's very difficult to read because you know that, like, fake, like, dialect that they have? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, the, the whole book is written in that. Oh, my gosh. It's so hard to read. I only made it through, like, five chapters.
1: But it's a great commentary on, yeah. you know, just how government systems and um, how this horrible, horrible guy – ends up going to jail and then being reprogrammed um and then basically becoming a political um pawn and then the government basically lets him do anything he wants by the end of the film so he goes from being doing anything he wants secretly with a mask to being able to do whatever he wants um in in public because the government's back yeah
0: i'd say what i remember about this movie is that it goes in like directions that you don't expect it to no when you're going into it, you kind of the start you expect because you hear about the controversy
1: of the movie. This is what I'll say: Kubrick does amazingly. Soundtrack one, the, just the aura of the film, just like the feelings you get from each and every scene, the acting, the, the colors. I remember awesome. the colors a lot. The dialogue is hilarious, right? right. Like talking about ultraviolence and uh, yeah, every it's got this
0: uh, Russian influenced. It's thing. An ama-
1: It's an amazing di- uh, dialogue. It's extremely inappropriate. I had to skip over a few things, but a lot of it the The most amazing part for me, I think, was, it showed that this character Alex, isn't just, like petty. And it's a horrible th- it's a horrible message, but he actually loves evil, like every single thing. There's even there's a part where like, it, and they like, cannot
0: program him to not love evil.
1: Yeah, and like at his core, he loves evil, and he's and he's tested throughout this film, to, and broken down, and his just joy of evil never ceases so i just thought that was an interesting concept because i've ne- I, you don't really see that but it didn't make him less human you know it made it seem like but it also didn't make you sympathize with him i no point in the film that i sympathize with him but that's a clockwork orange kubrick oh, wow just incredible we did um a kubrick episode um on um, when did we do that
0: oh dr strangelove
1: we did Doctor Strange Love,
0: um, and two thousand one and Space yeah, Odyssey. two thousand
1: one Space Odyssey for our ninetieth episode. So yep, we're we'll have Gruber to do more fans. Kubrick at some point. Yeah, so that's He's all the good. films I watched uh, this this month. Hopefully next month I'll get another nine or something. We'll see.
0: Well, we're not we're only halfway through this month. Oh, it's the fifteenth. Oh, thanks Ben. You're right. Hopefully I get, so hopefully I can get eighteen
1: by the end of this month. Yeah, that would be the most I've ever watched in a month ever.
0: That's definitely not the most I've ever watched in a month. But oh, I know that yeah you've had some big years but last year I, I think i i only maxed out like 10 or 11 in a month yeah it's amazing how having responsibilities can really do that to you yeah. but actually this year I, th- I think i will have a little bit more time though
1: yeah anyway
0: so just yeah. gotta budget your time that's all. what it's, what it's all really about right.
1: but with that that's uh that's kind of the our our new section what is it you, what did you call it Movie uh, highlights. Movie highlights.
0: <laughs> movie highlights. I mean, I'm, I'm just I like uh, it. keeping it basic. Movie keeping highlights. it basic. All right. Well, now it's time to close the vault. Yep. The I'll one th- consistent segment we've always
1: had. Yep. I'll do it. Um, goodbye, everybody. Um, 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 there's no cure for fools.